In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. And good morning. Today again, we hear one of the uh, 30 parables that are about 30. Uh, Father Richard used to always count everything, and he, uh, he was fond of saying there are 30 parables in the Gospels, you know, something no one would have ever really thought of, but uh, I, d I do recollect that. Each one of these parables is a story that Jesus hi himself is telling to us. Um, this isn't uh, uh, something abstract. Uh, th this isn't something that's distant. This is something that comes to us sort of unmediated, direct from our Lord Jesus. This is one of his stories that we are hearing this morning. So that's why when we hear, uh, he who has ears, let him hear, uh, you, you just might want to listen because this is obviously something that is important to Jesus. Each one of the parables, he usually starts by saying something like, the kingdom of heaven is like. I think of my friends at the university, the kingdom be like. Anyway, now the kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of the world. And it's in these parables that we begin to really see what some of those differences are. The kingdom of God has a different king to begin with, and new and different stories from those that are told in the kingdom of the world. So when our king is telling us a story, we need to listen up. His parables plant in us the culture of the kingdom of God. More than uh, theology, pronouncements, um, uh, more perhaps even than the creed, the parables get by our defenses. When a story like this is told, it gets between the cracks. It gets to the very heart of things. And that's why it's important that we listen carefully. They come to us, these parables, in the still, small voice of the Gospels. And they are an antidote, an antidote that we must continually use to the damage that has been done to our souls by all the mind-numbing propaganda of the world. The world shouts stuff at us. The parables whisper things to us. And that's how our Lord speaks to our hearts. So, what can we find today in this particular parable, which is so earthy and practical? What can I hear in this that converts my heart? This parable, I submit, is important for one reason, because it's basic as dirt. It's the element, it is the basic element from which, by the way, we all sprang. We were taken from the dirt. We were taken from the soil of the earth. Any of you who have put a lot of time in, in the garden will be able to relate to the joy, the simple joy that is there in good dirt. I know I'm not the only one who has ever bent down, back when I could bend down, 
and picked up a handful of crumbly, dark loam and rubbed it between my hands and smelled it as I did. And the loam is so alive with not just crumbly organic stuff, but earthworms, which you've got to be very careful not to squish when you're, when you're rubbing, rubbing the dirt together. But as you smell it, you can almost taste the corn and the peppers and the strawberries that are going to grow in it. That's dirt, just dirt. And that gives us that joy of the very earth. But good, fertile dirt doesn't just happen. You don't just want, and unless you're very fortunate to have had someone ahead of you that made good dirt. The gardener, the farmer, whose ground it is, works it, cultivates it, nourishes it, and cherishes it. Cherishes it for the earth, that little piece of the earth is his own. In this, the gardener cooperates with the work of God who sends sunshine and rain. This synergism, this synergia, this working together is the very work that man was created to do, that man was created to take part with God. We were to meet God in the garden and walk with him and cultivate with him and enjoy the joy of the garden that comes from the earth. As I read the Holy Fathers who have commented on the parable of the sower, I became convinced that I have been sloppy with my work. For if we truly do hear the gospel, if we truly have ears to hear, we will hear and in some way or another repent. We will hear something that needs to change. We will not be congratulated by these parables. We will not find in them something that says, my bosom swells with pride as I look in the mirror at what I have become. Like Fonzie starting to comb his hair and then going, no, perfect. We won't walk away. And most of you guys haven't got a clue who Fonzie even is. <laughs> but the old guys do. So I did become convicted. Many times my heart has come to be as hard as rocky soil. Many times I have permitted the cares and the entanglements of this world to entangle me like thorny weeds. And worse yet, I have not given myself diligently morning and every evening to cultivating that little plot of soil that is my heart. That little garden, that, I, that hidden garden, if you will, that I have been given uniquely on this planet. It's the one little space that I am truly responsible for, my own heart. We can't be responsible for everything in this whole round world, but we can be responsible for our own heart. Many times I have permitted the cares of this world to entangle me like
like thorny weeds. And worse yet, I have not been diligent with that one small plot. If it's hard, if the soil in my little garden is hard, it's nobody's fault but my own. It's not a drought. And, you know, as much as I think we ought to think about it, it's not even global warming. It's not my neighbor next door who uses pesticides that have come over and hardened my heart. It's my fault. It's my garden. I have responsibility for it. Am I barren ground? Woe is me. How can I ever bear fruit and deliver the harvest that is expected of me? For we were given that little plot of land. We were given to share crop that little plot of land, to share crop with God, and he expects a harvest from our plot of ground. When I see this failure in myself, do I add despair to my sin? Do I say, oh, what can I do? What can I do? There's nothing I can do. Do I, worst of all, do I accept the hardness and the thorns as if they are some sort of predetermined condition? Now, there's kind of a danger in hearing this parable to think that, well, it is what it is, you know? I'm just the hard ground. I'm just the thorny ground. Or, or, or good heavens, I'm the good ground. You know, there's, there's a danger to think that all of this is just predetermined. Do I take up the struggle of cultivation of my heart? Can I do my part relying on the grace of God to change the condition of my heart, to cultivate the condition of my garden? Bishop Dimitri of blessed memory in his commentary on this parable asked why the sower would sow his seed where he knew it might not bear fruit. He answered his question with a reference from St. John Chrysostom. So I think I'm on fairly safe ground in my reply to my own questions here. Bishop Dimitri and St. John Chrysostom, whose divine liturgy we now celebrate. So I think we're safe here when we say this. When the Lord sows the seed of his gospel, Chrysostom says, he makes no distinction between rich or poor, between wise or unwise, between slothful or diligent, between brave or cowardly. He does this because each of us can change. Each of us can repent and be converted. While it is impossible for the rock to become the earth, or the wayside not to be wayside, or the thorns thorns, with man, this is not so. In them, in us, when he says in them, he means in you. He means in me. In them, it is possible for the rock to change and become rich land, for the wayside no longer to be trampled upon, nor to lie open to all that pass by, but that it may be fertile field, and the thorns may be destroyed, 
so that the seeds may enjoy full security. We, brothers and sisters, if we cultivate, if we work on it, we can change. It won't just happen. It requires cultivation. requires some work. We can change because of the work of Christ in our life. We can break up the hardness of our heart. We can ask him to help us break up the hardness of our hearts. We can cultivate the ground of our hearts and prepare it for the gospel seed. This does take work. It is not contradictory to say, for grace to happen, we have to work. Now, that isn't just, um, you know, some sort of dialectical, philosophical, you know, two sides of everything, um, mysterious kind of thing. That's the fact. For grace to work, we've got to work. It's synergia. It is our co-laboring with the Lord on our own hearts. He's not just going to reach down and, and do it without us. Uh, in the recovery movement, you'll often hear folks that say, you know, sometimes I get the feeling that we're all working harder than you're working. And we don't want God to say that to us. I feel like uh, I'm working harder on you than you are on yourself. We want to work together with him. It will take sweat and the water of many tears to grow a crop where there has been a desert. And the whole creation is watching us and waiting for this to happen. They are waiting for us to take up this work, to act, and to bear a crop. They are waiting for us to fulfill that prophecy of Malachi, that all nations shall call you blessed when you have become desirable land. The church has not been desirable land. We have let thorns come in. We have let our hearts get hardened. We need to cultivate so that we might fulfill that prophecy. And because it, it's the right thing to do. Am I up for my part in this? Am I up for working on the condition of my heart? Bishop Dimitri went on to say with force, it behooves all of us who seek to follow Christ to clear the ground of our souls, to take seriously the experience of the saints who tell us how to deepen our faith by prayer, fasting, and good works. It's just like um, break up the soil by prayer, by hoeing, by digging, by incorporating soil amendments that come from, from elsewhere, by stirring it up, by watering it. Prayer, fasting, good works. And to become convinced that it is impossible to lead a double life of service to God and to the idols of the world, then we too can be described as those who bring forth fruit. Don't we want to be described as those who bring forth fruit? Don't we want to be described in that way 
and not just. That was fallow land. That was land that was left and didn't grow a crop on it. The church needs to not be fallow land. It needs to be productive land. The fruit we shall bear, each one of us and all together, is a gift from God. And it is a gift to be lifted back up and enjoyed with him. It is for our joy and for the salvation of many. It is the work we were created to do in the first place. So cultivate the soil of your heart by prayer, fasting, and good works. And rely on Christ to complete the harvest in you to the glory of God the Father.